Hello and welcome to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. Thank you for listening in to another episode. There have been a few concerns in the wool market of late stemming from power shortages in China and it gets quite easy to get caught up in these black swan or unforeseen events in markets so we are taking a step back from that this week to look at the major drivers in the wool market and what the outlook is. One important part of that story is taking stock of the whole apparel fibre complex including fibres like cotton and polyester. So we have Andrew Woods joining us today, who is our wool analyst here at Mercado and Director of Independent Commodity Services, to share his insight into what that all means for wool. And we're also going to dive into the sectors. So what's driving price within the wool complex for fine, super fine, medium merino and crossbred wool. We will get to the episode in just a moment, but first some quick highlights from livestock markets this week. For sheep and lamb, prices are still hanging in there at very historically strong levels. We had forward contracts released for late spring and early summer in northern New South Wales, which will give lamb producers and traders plenty of confidence as we move towards summer. Just as one example, a 28 kilo lamb over the hooks last year went for around $218 per head, but now that could have been locked in at $252, which is a very good price and really an optimistic sign of the continued strength in demand for heavy export markets. For cattle, the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator reached an all-new time high again of $1,057 this week before running out of steam and falling back to just above where it started by the end of the week while the market for heavy cattle consolidated as well, giving back some of those big gains from last week. Okay, well, that's it from me. Enjoy this episode with Andrew Woods and Robert Herman. Today's sponsor of Commodity Conversations is Cleaver's Organic Meats. All Cleaver's products are sourced from Australian family-owned farms, where animals are raised in free-range environments, are grass-fed from start to finish, and meet the strict animal welfare requirements of the Australian Certified Organic Standard. They offer a wide range of delicious lamb, beef and chicken products. Jump on their website to learn more at www.cleaversorganics.com.au Yes, Olivia, it is very good to have our great friend and comrade back, Andrew Woods, talking wool. And um, look, there's a lot happening in the wool market and we'll get to some of the other bigger issues uh, down the track. But just to, I noticed you put up a really um, interesting analysis a couple of weeks ago looking at apparel fibre prices and what's happening. And it's all on Mercado, as everybody knows. Um, firstly, Andrew, before I um, ask you the question, welcome along to Commodity Conversations again, and uh, it's good to have you back. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the invitation. Well, apparel prices, what's happening and, and what does it really mean for wool uh, looking down the track? And I think this is a good topic to look at in the bigger picture because we're, we can get caught up with a lot of the little machinations of daily and weekly and, you know, bi-weekly movements. Um, yeah, for sure. So you need to set some context for this and that context is uh, all around COVID and its effect in 2020. So in sort of March through September 2020, COVID drives 
commodity prices, including apparel price, apparel fibre prices, lower to low levels. Wool was part of that. And then from sort of October onwards, they all rebound really strongly. So apparel fibre prices all start rebounding from the middle of last year, wool included. Crossbred wools might be a bit different, but the Merano wool for sure. And they all um, rise quite strongly through to uh, March, April. And then come March, April 2021, they, they, sort, of, they sort of steady up a bit. And you saw, we saw that in wool. Uh, there is one exception to this, and that's cotton. And uh, cotton's still rising. It's forgotten. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a red, it's an interesting point because it's such a big fibre. But it's just hit uh, in the last day or two, hit um, its highest level since 2012. Uh, and in 2012, it was coming off massive highs from 2011. So it, it's an interesting thing, but that that's, that bodes well because if you've wool's part of a wool's a small part of a large apparel fibre complex. So it's like the wool market itself. It's it's a mix of five uh, of markets. You've got the fine mark, fine merinos, broad merinos, crossbreds, cardings, combings. No. And then if you go out beyond that, you've got polyester and cotton, and the different sorts of cotton. Um, so uh, at this stage, the, the background's quite supportive for, as far as apparel fibre prices go. Cotton's going very strongly. The other fibres like uh, polyester staple are, are doing uh, pretty solid, acrylic solid. So they give us some confidence that uh, wool's not uh, uh, looking at, a, at uh, falling in a heap. Yeah, and that's, and that's a good point. And I know you've made it the point many times in, in some of your articles that, um, you know, wool's not a fibre that operates on its own. It does operate in the broader apparel market. Of course, for years, the wool industry in Australia here has been, to some degree, trying to, you know, separate itself, you know, create its own little uh, niche and, uh, and generate premiums, if you like, even. That dreaded word, Andrew. Your, your analysis, I would say, that hasn't really happened. Uh, the trick, it's a tricky thing to uh, uh, see what drives prices, what, what creates prices. So for, certainly for, for merino wool, um, if you look at the supply over the last 30 years, so, uh, from the time of the collapse of the reserve price scheme, the supply has fallen, fallen dramatically. Uh, it's fallen in other major uh, exporting countries out of uh, the Southern Hemisphere, so South Africa down, New Zealand's down, Uruguay's down, Argentina's down. So, uh, and, and in the process of, of pushing the, the, the volume falling, you can see the, uh, the, the relative value of, of wool to uh, polyester or to cotton or to a mix of average of those prices has risen. So it, there's certainly a really strong correlation that as, as the supply has fallen, the relative price, the old price ratios, have risen, and I think that's a that's a big driver of that the increase in relative price. All right. Well, let's just break it down a little bit, and uh, you know, we we spend a lot of our our time looking at data uh, to try and figure out, and, and of course, looking at data is always historical or almost always historical. Let's just talk a little about what we think the outlook for is, and. Um, we really need to break the clip up a bit. I think, as, as you said before, it's not, we're not just talking about an homogenous product here. We've got different components within the market. 
let's start at the um, at the darling of the moment, the fine and super fine wool. I mean, they are coming out of the drought where we again we had oversupply of that wool. They've really rebounded, and, and fine wool growers are looking at pretty good returns right now. Yeah, so that's uh, the premium side of fine wools is driven predominantly by supply. So the micron premiums. And what I mean by that, so you probably say roughly two thirds of the of the variation in micron premiums is is a, is a function of supply. So that leaves one third to be a function of fashion or uh, and other factors on the demand side. So that uh, um, so it's been a big drought, big oversupply, and then a big recovery in most regions. On uh, uh, average, of big recoveries, and that's driven the supply down and pushed the the uh, the premiums up. Now, now that recovery, in terms of broad, uh, broadening of the micron, is just about to run run its course. So we'll see over the next six months, six and nine months, the the supply driver that's pushed those premiums up wane, and. Uh, so that'll take some of the should take some of the steam out of the out of the fine walls. Yes, well, I note even in the last quarter, Andrew, that the 17 micron premium still continued to grow somewhat. But I mean, most of that rapid escalation was last year. So this, you know, it doesn't mean fine walls necessarily going to fall. It probably means that uh, you know it's going to stop rallying against other walls. But perhaps the medium wool switching to that now has that got a, a bit brighter future if the supply just does contract a little bit as the seasons i guess what we're talking about here is seasons becoming more normal and and taking away that flush of, of feed that pushes the micron slightly broader yeah well i suppose it's, it's change of seasons mainly unless the season's extreme so it's really so if we if you don't have much of a change in season you don't have much of a change in fiber diameter or, or queen's lease weights so in 20 uh, uh, 17 2018 and 19 in particular the, that, that drought drove the supply of 20, 23 micron wool down dramatically. And uh, that, uh, that helped push that price up and support the market generally. Um, and then that, re- that started to reverse in early 2020. Uh, and now we get to early 2022 that uh, the reversal stopped. So <clears throat> that'll take some of the pressure off, off the uh, off the broader merinos, which is 20 to 22 micron. Um, it's interesting. So the, the, the pressure will come off in terms of their the rise in supply will stop, but their supply is still low by the standards of even four years ago. So that, again, that's sort of underpinning a higher price ratio. So you go back to those old price ratios in the in the 80s, um, Woolcorp used to say that the standard price ratio for the uh, for 21s is about three to one to cotton. Keep in mind, cotton's just gone to uh, nine-year highs. Um, and now the standard ratio is probably, uh, I'm not sure, uh, about seven to eight to one. Yeah. And that's a function because there's a lot less uh, a lot less 21 micron in the world and there's more cotton. We sort of do, you make a good point because, you know, when we both started in the business, you know, it was a lot of, you know, it was almost 22 micron was the average of the clip. But... We've dodged talking about where the clip sits now, that 18 to 19 micron, you know, that vast bulk of wool that sits out there now. Um, I, I think, you know, my feeling is it's got pretty good demand and, and got good homes, but uh, it does, the, the, the volume moves through those ranges a bit, doesn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the swings in supply affect uh, 18 through 20 micron, yeah, 18 through 20 micron the least. Yeah. So, so their their price is going to reflect the, the bigger economic cycles that uh, that flow through the um, through the world economies. Yeah, and and they've always been the big drivers of price. But the point you make about the at the at the end of that spectrum, I guess, is is that supply movements through there can really disrupt that. Now let's uh, let's go to uh, an area that uh, it's funny, you know, driving around the countryside, Andrew. I uh, there's no doubt in our neck of the woods there's more crossbreds around. And talking to Angus last week in Hamilton. Um, yeah, we, we actually talked about shearing and a lot of areas having trouble getting shears. He said, well, I seem to like it here because there's a lot of crossbreds. And, um, <laughs> and so, so I think in some, there is more, but, but the price is just, you know, has just collapsed. So is that a function? And I'm referring back to your article you published. I think that was uh, just late in September. Um, you make the point that's not a function of, of oversupply that's driving that. Uh, not really. Um, the, the supply of crossbred wool, if, uh, if you look at it as a, as a proportion of the, of the clip in the clean terms, it's been sitting around 20% now for, well, that's auction sales. Uh, uh, been sitting there for nearly a decade. So yeah. uh, there'll be other sales uh, that sneak around the auction and probably more so in the crossbreds and the merinos. But there's no, in Australia, there's no huge surging crossbred wool. So I, th I think to an extent, um, Victoria certainly is, Victoria swung to merinos really heavily in the late 80s, early 90s. And, mm. and you look at the proportion of merino wool coming out in terms of the clip, that was really high. And it seems to me they've just, they swung back to where they were in the 60s and 70s or 50s, 60s and 70s. There's one small difference with that, Andrew. In the in the eighties, I'm growing a lot of very nice Corridale and Polworth wool. Um, today, there's a lot of composite wool out there, and it's a it's a bit different to the uh, those traditional, those original crossbreeds, I suppose. It it's very different, and, and it's a big problem. So the uh, I think it'd be fair to say if you went and asked some exporters, or and if you went further and asked top makers about the quality of the Australian crossbreed clip, particularly out of the southern region, they'd say it's it's poor. Yeah. Poorly prepared uh, with a lot of camp in it, a lot of yeah. medullated fibre. It's a real problem. And if you yeah. ask um, one exporter we know uh, we've worked with, uh, says it just it's hard to sell. Yeah, and I I know, and, and, and that's right. But, of course, the, the reason behind all that has been the, the lamb price and the drive to uh, produce um, sheep meats. Um, because the, while you say the, the, the volume has been stable for the last um, 10 years, the previous 20 years, there was a, a steady increase and at the expense of merinos in terms of percentage of the clip, according to your, um, your yeah. notes there. Yeah, yeah there was. Uh, the merino, if you get to the, the end of the, the reserve price game, merinos, make up about 95% of the clip, which was extraordinary. So because if you go back to the 60s, it's mm. probably about two-thirds of the clip was merino. Yeah. And then you get into the 80s and it starts to increase and then the collapse of the reserve price scheme and then um, late 90s onwards with the increase of lamb, the, the swing against merino is in the clip trends. So the thing about the crossies, though, is you, if you look at 
what we call crossbreds and what the rest of the world probably calls mid-micron. Yeah. Um, uh, so 26, 26 microns, so through 32. You look at, say, 28 micron, I just, I've got a graph here of the 28 micron, and it's puddles along, does nothing much spectacular to about 2011. In 2011, when cotton dragged everything higher, it goes up. Mm. And then it spends spends eight or nine years at this high level. And you, you'd think, oh, that's, that's good. And then in 2020, it gets bashed by COVID. And it's just gone back to where it was in 2008 in US dollar terms. And on the chart, you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But you look at, you go, it was up there for eight years. And now it's trading at about half the level it used to trade for eight years. And that's, that's the mystifying part. Yeah. If you've gone up there for a year or two, you'd say, oh, it's just a reaction that's gone back down. Yeah. Well, well there were some, um, there were some little, what would you call them, fads, I suppose. You know, there was the fake fur that was being, you know, crossbred wool and that sort of thing. But you're right. Um, and, of course, it did, it did embolden a few crossbred producers to start to put those numbers in their budgets long term, and that's, and that's becoming quite painful now. But I, I can tell you, Andrew, I'm pretty sure I don't know of any crossbred producers who are deciding to go back to Marina. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they've got a taste of, uh, of this sort of a, a sheep meat business and uh, I, I notice I, I just want to finish off and I want to I want to um, run a quote back to you you know we usually come out with something a bit left field to just throw you off your guard a bit here Andrew but you're, you're saying that um, in the longer run the lower supply of merino wool will help support higher prices relative to other fibers is that the direction the industry should be going in should it be should it should it um, should it try to increase should it just let things go and if they if it slips away it slips away or is is staying where we are in terms of volume and supplying to the world the way to go well i'll counter yours with a with a another uh, aphorism and that is you can't save your way to prosperity no that's true um so yeah if you can try that on a farm and you just it doesn't work so i I don't think you can shrink your way to prosperity yeah yeah, and that's what I, I suspect, you know, that's what I'm agreeing with as well, Andrew. I mean, the the, um, the industry needs to, um, you know, the old the old argument, you know, you know, win back a few acres somewhere and and just show a bit of positivity. But, you know, we're, there's a lot of, um, it's interesting, a lot of people with merinos now, and they're probably the core passionate ones that are there, that are left there, they're doing very, very well at the moment. Hmm, they are. Um, and they, it might be even a case of winning their acres back. It might be just running a few extra sheep on the acres. Sure. There's always room. You drive around most districts and look at the best operators and the average, there's usually a fair gap. Yeah. And um, that'll be the challenge for the industry to, to um, you know, to close that gap because I, I keep... I, Sometimes I refer to often back to the cropping industry, but the cropping industry closed that gap between the worst and the best um considerably and that's where the productivity a lot of productivity increases come so so uh, you're up in Wagga you told us you, you um you, the big news of today was that uh, Wagga had its first COVID case so we were you must feel um you're part of the part of the rest of the family now <laughs> it's right yeah, it's good it's good to be uh, up to speed 
<laughs> well, look, as, as usual, Andrew, it's fantastic talking to you. Um, you do a great job at uh, independent commodity services, and, uh, and we, we're quite happy to say that we don't know of anyone who has more information, experience, and, and best of all data about the wool industry. So we're very happy to have you on Commodity Conversations. If people would like to see more of Andrew's analysis, you can contact Independent Commodity Services or you can go to the Mercado website and uh, regularly we get uh, your insights, Andrew, and we really appreciate it. Pleasure, Rob. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Commodity Conversations. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it around with your network and leave us a review or rating on your podcast platform of choice. Until next time, have a great week.